0: Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.
1: And welcome to In the Oil Patch radio show. I'm your host, Kim Bilotto. Along with my co host David Blackman, we have a great show lined up for you today. We're going to be joined a little bit later on in the show with the CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi, Sean Strawbridge. But first, I want to tell you about our latest issue of Shell Magazine, which just dropped, and it is covering the Biden administration and what it means for you if you are in the oil and gas sector. Or if you're just a person of the community, what can you expect with this new administration and things like maybe gas prices and higher utilities? It's all in there. It's a story you definitely want to read. And I encourage you to go to shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com and read all about it. Or you can like Shell Magazine's Facebook page in which we'll give you the latest issue every single time we release one. I'd also like to uh, let you know about a mixer that Texas Energy Advocates Coalition is having in beautiful Houston, Texas on April 22nd at 530 to 730. It will be in Energy Corridor, this mixer. It'll be at Jonathan's The Rub. For more information, go to Shell Mag's Facebook page. You can click on the link and purchase tickets there. We do anticipate this will be a sold out event. So you definitely want to Get your tickets now or you're welcome to sponsor a door prize or they're always looking for sponsors as well. As you guys may or may not know, Texas Energy Advocates Coalition, better known as TEAC, is a membership that allows you to attend their mixers, special invite only events, as well as you can advocate on behalf of the oil and gas industry. So if you don't necessarily work in the oil and gas industry, that's okay. They want your voice. So please, for more information, go visit TXEnergyAdvocates.org. Again, that's TXEnergyAdvocates.org. Or you can go visit their Facebook page, like it, and you'll have all the information there. And that's Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. We will see you at The Mixer on 422 at 530 at Jonathan and the Rub. And now it's time to welcome on my co-host, David Blackman. David, welcome to this week's show. Hey, it's another
2: beautiful day in Texas.
1: It sure is. And we have a lot to discuss because it seems like things are getting crazier and crazier by the minute <laughs> when we talk about ERCOT.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful you know, day in Texas, despite what ERCOT says. Yeah,
1: Exactly. The real <laughs> shocker is that they sent out an emergency warning about low generating capacity on Tuesday. And Tuesday, if I remember, was one of the most mildest weather days we've had this year. So what in the world is going on and what happens when we hit August?
2: You're absolutely right. I I actually went to weather.com and other places just to research exactly how mild it was around the state. The high temperature in Amarillo was 62 degrees. The high in Brownsville was 83, perfectly normal for this time of year. There was no major weather storms, no no thunderstorms, no hail storms. Nothing happening in the state. It was one of those rare days when across the whole depth and breadth of the state, there was nobody experiencing any kind of severe weather. And yet in the middle of that day, ERCOT sends out this warning that they're about to run out of generating capacity. So it makes you wonder exactly what was going on on the grid. Uh, There was uh, quite a few plants down for, for periodic maintenance, which is to be expected. Uh, wind and solar didn't generate as much as ERCOT Ir- expected, but you know they should be planning for that. Um, so you you just have to wonder how could we have uh, this kind of instability on the grid? On I, I, we might get ten days a year that are this mild in Texas, all across the state. So I it was it was bizarre thing to to see that warning come across.
1: If we don't have enough power right now, and we're having good weather days, all things considered. Yeah. Let's talk about what happens in the winter when we when we have a surge. I mean, are we going to be ready? Do you, oh, well, do you think this? Um, <laughs> I was going to say incompetent, but you know, <laughs> might be a little
2: harsh. Well, What do you yeah, think? I think yeah. there, you know you
1: have you do have to
2: uh, when something like this happens. I think you do have to question the competence of what's yeah. going on in managing this grid. Uh, when we get into August and it's 100 degrees all across the state of Texas and demand surges to 70 again. Well, are we going to have enough capacity? I don't know if we are or not. I don't think anyone can guarantee that at this point. We certainly didn't have enough capacity on the grid in mid-February, and 200 people died. You know, this is a serious, serious thing here, and we still have power generators in the Capitol building in Austin telling legislators, oh, we have plenty of capacity on the grid. Obviously, we do not have plenty of capacity on the grid. And the legislature needs to do something to resolve that, whether the generators want to do it or not. And I guess I should probably stop there.
1: <laughs> Sounds like it's a job for Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. Let's start. Yeah, you bet. You bet. Demanding something get done. Oil prices, they staged a rebound this week as recent volatility with prices continued. What are the factors that shape the price for this week? And where do we go from here?
2: Yeah, we did have a nice rebound in prices. Um, I think that's largely because, again, as we've been saying now for a couple of months, um, demand globally is picking up faster than the quote experts predict it's going to, and so you you keep having these unexpected surges in in demand for crude oil uh, that the market has to meet, and that you know speculators see that and they drive up the price of crude oil, and I just think that as the economy continues to recover, and, and, and just today, in fact, we had a, a projection from from uh, from the federal government that they're expecting 5.7 percent economic growth in the first quarter of this year, and even better growth in the second quarter. Uh, that's a real sign that the economy is coming back much more rapidly than the experts claim it is, and, and so we're going to have higher and higher demand for crude oil going forward. So I I just think my my projection on this hasn't changed since January. I think we're going to see stronger prices for for oil as the year progresses, and that's going to create another boom here in the United States.
1: Excellent news. Ronstadt Energy issued a new report claiming that the number of frack jobs in the Permian Basin in March exceeded the number of the same in 2020 March of 2020. Yeah. So, yeah. what's the logic here? Like, how did we get more? When yeah. It seems like slower.
2: Yeah. That, that when I saw that, I thought that you know that doesn't sound right. I mean, the 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 number of active uh, frac crews uh, that are operating in the United States right now is just a little more than half of the number we had working a year ago. Okay. So, how would you have had more frack jobs, actual jobs, being conducted in the Permian Basin than you had a year ago? Well, when you think through that, what was happening in March of last year is the pandemic was hitting and all the companies were beginning to slow down their operations because we we were in this period of time of great uncertainty and no one knew exactly what was going to happen with the pandemic. And so, yeah, we may have had more frack crews technically active, you know, employed, but but their work was slowing down. Whereas now we have fewer crews employed but their work is ramping up because prices are improving and so when you know I had to think through it it took me a a little bit to think through all that but yes it does make sense it doesn't surprise me and it doesn't mean that you know we're in a big fracking frenzy again in the Permian Basin we're doing better than we were a year ago but a year ago everything was just you know people were just putting the brakes on everything so so that made sense, and and I don't think it should really come as a big surprise to anyone.
1: Have you heard anything on the Eagle Ford?
2: Things are picking up uh, in the Eagle Ford. They've they've had uh, an additional ten rigs activated uh, during the first quarter of this year. Uh, same thing in the Haynesville shell area of East Texas. Uh, several more rigs coming online. Activities picking up as demand picks up. Now it's it's still. You know, in the Eagle Ford, it's it's a fraction of what it was during the big boom in 2010 through 2014. But you know, every every activated rig represents about 50 to 60 more jobs, and so that's a, that's an important aspect down there in South Texas, where you know it's a small populated area. The biggest city in in the whole Eagle Ford region is Beeville, and there's only 15,000 people living there. So it's a big deal, um, and and I just again I expect activity is going to continue to slowly pick up as as prices improve and the year moves along.
1: And so we're going to end probably the year on a more steadier note than the way we started.
2: I think year. so. I, th- I think that uh, this this volatility we've had with prices over the last month or so will calm down ultimately uh, as as people realize the economy really is growing faster than the experts keep keep claiming it is. And I mean, and that's just, it's, it's like so many other aspects of our society. The, the experts say things that are designed to attract audiences, right? And so they mm-hmm. put things in more extreme terms than they really deserve. And then when we see the reality on the ground, we realize that, oh, well, this is a lot more stable than we thought it was. And so as that happens, you know, things stabilize and people, you know, come more and more people realize that things stabilize and the volatility goes.
1: Well, that's good to know, because we know last year was very much a upside down inside. For, yes. for oil and gas and it started off rough this year too well david that is all the time we have for this segment but when we return from break we will be joined by the ceo of the port of corpus christi sean strawbridge you're listening to the oil patch radio show and we'll be right back hi i'm kim Bellato, wanting to talk to you about how to age gracefully as a woman my appearance is important to me it makes me feel good about myself when I feel I'm taking care of myself and I have been visiting a woman for many years who has helped me with my wrinkles my skin's elasticity and you know a lot of people think it's really just involving women but it's not many many men also seek treatments as they see the aging process occurring I visit Cynthia my friend of many years who is a master injector for San Antonio cosmetic surgery I feel very comfortable going to her and allowing her to just do her work on me. Pick up the phone, call Cynthia, make an appointment and see what she can do for you because it has taken years off of me. So if you want a free consultation with Cynthia, give them a call at 210 641 4320. Again the numbers two one zero six one four four three two zero. Or you can visit their website at SanAntonioCosmeticSurgery.net. Be sure to tell them that Kim within the Oil Patch Radio Show sent you.
0: Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S H A L E, mag, M-A-G.com. Or you can call us 210 240 7188. Again, that's 210 240 7188.
1: And now, David, it's time for us to welcome on a regular guest on our show and a wonderful partner to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, the CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi, Sean Strawbridge. Sean, welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show.
3: Well, it's good to see you again, Kim and David. Thank you for having me back. Thank you.
1: Well, we love having you because a lot of our listeners may not really understand how important the Port of Corpus Christi has become in the way of energy. And so I want to give you an opportunity first to introduce yourself to our audience, but also tell us a little bit about the port, you know, the significant strides that you guys have been making in the last two or three years, even outshining some other ports in Texas that have been known as being energy hubs. Uh, And we won't mention the name, but you guys are the superstar when we talk about energy. So tell us a little bit about uh, what's happening at the port currently.
3: Well, Kim, thank you for those kind words, uh, the Port of Corpus Christi has certainly been on a meteoric growth trajectory uh, since the shale renaissance in the earlier part of the last decade and and certainly the last five years uh, since the repeal on the export ban of U.S. produced crude oil went into effect. Uh, that was really uh, the, the, the rocket fuel, if you will, of this, this meteoric growth. Uh, we saw in 2020 a significant increase in volumes over 2019, uh, to the tune of over 30%. Uh, much of that driven by yet more crude oil moving through the gateway. Here, uh, we had 65% year-over-year increases in crude uh, handling, and we had new docks that were uh, that came online in in 2020. We had four new facilities that came online and. In 2023, of which were designed for uh, the exportation of U.S. produced crude oil. So, in spite of the pandemic, in spite of the active hurricane season, uh, in spite of some uh, unfortunate uh, incidents that we had here in the uh, in the Ship Channel, uh, we we did continue to see that growth. For 2021, however, uh, we've plateaued a little bit, perhaps even a little bit of a retracement. Some of that is certainly due to uh, winter storm Yuri, uh, uh, but also we think that uh, we're seeing that pullback as we've seen production declines in the uh, in the Permian and certainly U.S. production declines overall from a peak of a little over 13 million barrels a day to uh, under 11. We think we're going to settle in somewhere around 11 uh, this year and uh, perhaps uh, get it back as high as 12 uh, in 2022. So. You know, we we feel pretty good about where we are uh, in the uh, in the energy export world. Mm-hmm. Uh, the phone is certainly starting to ring again, which we're excited about. Uh, but we think that you know we're gonna we're gonna see a little bit of what I am calling a pause year for 2021.
1: Well, it wouldn't be a pause. I mean, everybody is in a pause year, so uh, welcome uh, into everyone's world because this is pretty much what everybody is is experiencing. I want to talk about the Texas legislature because they're in session right now and as always you and your staff are busy dealing with good bills, bad bills. Tell us a little bit about the key issues that you guys are facing at a port level because you guys have some serious issues you guys are dealing with with some bills.
3: Well, you know, certainly the 87th legislative session is a uh, is an interesting one. Obviously, a lot of discussion around ERCOT and the PUC in the wake of of, a winter storm uh, URI. Uh, For the port, you know, we've got some bills that are really cleanup bills, what I would call modernization of the water code, which is the statute the Texas, portion of the Texas government code and statute that we are governed by and adhered to. Uh, There's some cleanup uh, language that we have, Uh, but there's also some bills that the Texas Ports Association is carrying Uh, And there are some bills that are targeting the Port of Corpus Christi from a governance standpoint that have been introduced. Uh, We serve in uh, two counties. Uh, We actually operate in two counties. We serve a multitude of counties in South Texas, including all the way down to Laredo and up to San Antonio. Uh, But we operate in two counties, San Patricio and Nueces County. And our governance structure is such that commissioners, port commissioners that I serve at the pleasure of are appointed. Uh, by Nueces County, by San Patricio County, and by the city of Corpus Christi. Uh, and in this particular case, San Patricio County is uh, attempting to take a port commissioner appointment from Nueces County. Uh, and so that, that is what I say is above my pay grade, uh, but certainly one to watch because if our governance structure changes, that could have some, uh, some implications on our on our growth trajectory. Uh, the other bill that's really interesting for us is Nueces County has introduced a bill that would allow the port to engage in other types of economic development activities. You know, ports in Texas are primarily to serve goods movement and heavy industry. Uh, but when you look at port authorities around the country, such as New York, New Jersey, Seattle, San Francisco, San Diego, those port authorities also engage in a lot of other types of real estate development activities, uh, things like uh, Tourism-related activities, promenades, hotels, restaurant—you uh, know—dense uh, uh, res- residential. Uh, and so, we really want to try and engage in some additional economic development activities as well, to improve the livelihoods uh, and certainly the livability of the region. Uh, and we we certainly are are focused, and our will, our focus will continue to be on on. Uh, the infrastructure that serves our existing customers, but if there's a way that we can be helpful with some additional dollars for our cities and our mm-hmm. and our counties uh, to be able to increase the uh, the overall livability of our region, uh, we certainly welcome that opportunity as well. So we're watching uh, that bill. That bill was uh, 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 I think Senate Bill 2182 that was introduced by uh, Senator Hinahosa, and, and we're certainly watching that. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the big thing in in, in Austin is, of course, uh, redistricting mm-hmm. uh, is certainly the budget uh, and certainly what's going to happen with uh, with, uh, you know, with with URCOT. with ERCOT. Mm-hmm. So, you know, trying to get anything done in this session, uh, if we can get anything done, I think uh, we'll be pretty pleased.
1: Well, that's a, that I hope that you are successful uh, in the bill of, you know, dividing up the port's responsibility and allowing a little bit more. I, and I also am kind of uh, baffled by, so, you know, it's no s- secret to the listeners, that we, I have a beach house in St. Patricia County, and I, I don't see a whole lot of industry and the uh and activity out there a lot of homes and stuff to really justify an actual port seat but then what do i know in the way of like it, it seems a little rural but um and I, it seems a little off the path of you know huge corpus christi and all the things that are going on with it but we'll keep our eye on that we're going to take a quick break when we come back i know that we want to get into the big freeze with you as well you're listening to the Wall patch radio show and we'll be right back
0: Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website shalemag.com once again that's shale s-h-a-l-e mag ma to learn more shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business pick up the phone today and call 210-240-7188 again 210-240-7188
1: We're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is the CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi, Sean Strawbridge. David, I know you have questions for Sean about uh, the big freeze that we just uh, sure. endured. Go right ahead. Yeah,
2: obviously, Sean, everybody in Texas was impacted by the big freeze in February. And, you know, we had all the blackouts all over the state. And I'm just curious, uh, did, did anyone at the port, did you guys or any, any of your customers suffer blackouts, and, and what, what other kinds of impacts did you, did you have from all that uh, freezing weather?
3: Well, David, we certainly were heavily impacted. Uh, the port was actually closed for about 53 hours wow. uh, during, the, uh, during the storm uh, and the power outage. Uh, our refiners were shut down uh, unfortunately, you know, we talked about these these rolling brownouts and, and kind of in a managed fashion. That's not what happened to to our customers here. They just went down, yeah. you know, one minute to the next. And taking a, an active operating refinery down and losing that kind of power like that can have some long lasting repercussions and certainly costs associated with that. Uh, one of our refineries was in turnaround, so they were much more fortunate. Uh, but we, we certainly saw at least one refiner that had still not got back to uh, full capacity as a result of the damage that was caused by the, uh, the wow. loss of power. Um, you know, we, we uh, as a result, you know, we certainly uh, I, I met with AEP Texas just this morning uh, with their leadership uh, to talk about how we can uh, have some sort of resiliency, some increased resiliency. The Port of Corpus Christi is looking at additional opportunities for resiliency, whether that's creating a microgrid, uh, whether that's an additional dollars for winterization of the, the grid here in the Harbor District. Uh, but we really, you know, our big concern for uh, any interruptions to that growth trajectory that I spoke of in, in the previous segment. Uh, is really tied to two areas and that's water and that's power. Uh, So we are heavily focused on trying to solve for both of those issues if we are going to continue to attract those large industrial investments, which really are the bread and butter of the Port of Corpus Christi and certainly have those large economic uh, development needle moving uh, opportunities. And, And the fact that the coastal bend still has large swaths of available land for development. We've got a cheap steady supply of energy. As you know, we've got, uh, we're the mo- most uh, populated coastal, uh, city in, uh, in the state, you know, with, uh, a- about a half a million in our workforce. You know, I always say Houston is not a coastal city. They brought the coast to Houston by uh, digging the, uh, uh, the Houston, uh, ship channel, digging the ditch, uh, you know, from Galveston up, uh, you know, and we're still, uh, We've got a deep draft port, of course, and then we're still in air attainment. Our air shed, our air quality is still so good that our customers uh, don't have to adhere to non-attainment regulations, and we're protecting that vehemently. But, uh, but certainly, you know, we're in an arid region, so water is, is an issue for us. We rely 100% on surface water today uh and uh and then of course power when you look at the growing demand a lot of these projects they're they're not small demand loads they're big demand loads i'm working on two projects right now that if both of them come to fruition would collectively have an incremental one gigawatt of uh of load demand so we we really have to solve for both of those issues that's that's a lot of power.
1: Yeah, You mentioned that y'all were shut down for 53 hours. What does that look like? Give us a visual. How did you see a lot of traffic? Yeah,
3: I mean, basically the waterway doesn't, uh, you don't see vessels in the waterway. We see more vessels that reach our anchorage, which is off the coast of the city of Port Aransas. You'll start to see vessels back up. Uh, you know, we, we usually have somewhere between 20 and 30 vessels a day. Uh, coming and going at the port of corpus christi and then we have a similar amount of barge traffic uh, during the day and and you know when terminals aren't aren't operating uh, and vessels are at dock they're going to sit at dock uh, and if they're not loading or unloading uh, then that just backs up those those vessels that are either already here or on their way here so you know the fact that when you looked at the impacts of 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 uri and you looked at we look at that we were really only down 50 Three hours. I mean, there were my personally. My home was without power for nearly a week. Uh, so hmm. the fact that we were able to get back up and operational uh, in 53 hours, I I think really demonstrates the resiliency that we've been able to uh, to to achieve by continuing to invest in our infrastructure here.
1: That's great. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to switch us to uh, D.C. and what's happening, how it affects the Port of Corpus Christi. You're listening to In the Wall Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back.
0: Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch radio show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO, that's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O.
1: And we're back you're listening to in the oil patch radio show our guest today is the ceo of the port of corpus christi sean strawbridge sean we've we talked a little bit about how you guys manage the big freeze and we also talked a little bit about the texas Legislature, the 87 sessions now in session and how it's affecting the port we have a new administration the biden administration there's a lot of infrastructure discussion there's also a lot of regulation discussion going on and i guess I'm curious to understand uh, the port's position with this infrastructure project. There's a lot uh, that's going on in your area with the deepening and the widening of, of the channel. And the previous administration was very supportive of the port in trying to make sure you guys accomplish that. So give us an update on what's going on with the, with the Biden administration and y'all's desire to move forward with with infrastructure projects there at the port.
3: Well, we're, we're certainly excited about the, the Biden administration's infrastructure program. Uh, you know, I- infrastructure is sorely lacking in this country oh. and yeah. uh, there are certainly uh, still uh, hard working women and men that need to get back to work. And so any, any large infrastructure package that's uh, proposed by the administration and approved by Congress will have uh, a, a, a positive economic impact. And, and the good news is infrastructure has good bipartisan support uh we hope it doesn't get politicized although it is dc and uh, everything becomes politicized in dc (laughs) but uh but you know in in that uh in that 1.9 trillion dollar infrastructure package that uh, president biden has proposed there's about 300 million dollars for seaports uh with a port investment program uh we're excited about that uh honestly it's not enough money uh, but certainly, it's uh, it's something that uh, that we're going to welcome. Uh, you know, when you look at 300 million of a 1.9 trillion dollar package, I think it doesn't appropriately recognize the value of seaports for the national economy. Uh, over 25 percent of our, our 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 GDP is tied to directly tied to its uh, its its waterways and its seaports. And when you look at consumer demand you know, 90% of consumer goods move in, move via seaports, move on surface transportation and waterborne transportation. Uh, and 70% of the national GDP is directly tied to consumer demand. So, you know, seaports play a front and center role in the national economy. I've always said, if you lifted up the hood of an economy, what you would see underneath are seaports. So, uh, you know, we're, we certainly welcome that uh, goods movement is important, whether that's roads, rail, uh, waterways, uh, and and so we think this uh, this infrastructure package, <laughs> should it pass, will be uh, uh, will certainly be uh, a welcome addition to uh, to to our our programs here. When it comes to uh, hydrocarbons, for example, though, we're, we're certainly concerned about the exports of U.S. produced energy somehow getting. Uh, ruled into the domestic environmental policy of this administration. You know, there's a lot of value in American exports to our allies and trading partners around the world. We believe that there's a real argument that American energy is a cleaner, more reliable source of energy than other sources of energy like Russia, Russia gas or Venezuelan crude oil or Iranian crude oil where you've got some sovereignties that, that certainly are using their petrodollars in in nefarious ways. Uh, But we think this administration is gonna be pragmatic enough to recognize that while there is certainly work to be done in the decarbonization policy domestically and and the oil and gas industry will play a a prominent role in that, uh, let's not stymie our exports of American energy to our allies and trading partners as we're going through those decarbonization initiatives.
2: Very good. Sean, just a quick question before we talk about harbor Island uh, this incident where where we had the big uh, container ship blocking the Suez Canal the ever given did that have any significant impact on on traffic here in the United States and at your port?
3: Well, it certainly does because you know the, the, there's a fragility to goods movement uh, and supply chain you know most uh, beneficial cargo owners have, move to a JIT, a just-in-time supply chain yeah. structure. And so anytime there is an interruption in that supply, those supply chains, it has a cascading effect throughout the globe. And knowing that the Suez Canal is one of the main arterials, primarily for Asia to Europe or Indian subcontinent to the United States trade lanes, uh, it certainly does have a, uh, a, a uh, repercussions that we feel right here. And certainly the consumer uh, could perhaps feel at the cash register. For us, we saw a little bump in exports of crude oil uh, to Europe uh, because the crude that was, uh, was moving to Europe via the Suez Canal from right. the Middle East, Middle East source crude uh, was blocked for a few days. And, and so in order to hedge uh, a lot of the European consumers uh decided to shift to uh american barrels uh but you know it's a small it's a small uh, uh it was a small bump it obviously wasn't going to be long lasting but it certainly shows i mean i've in my career i've never seen that happen before and what that shows is of course vessel technology has evolved much more rapidly than infrastructure has been able to keep pace and you know you have a vessel that's three times the length of what the suez canal is in the width uh having a uh Having a, uh, an incident like that happen certainly shines a light on, uh, on the importance of our industry. And lastly, I would say that, you know, the maritime industry has been slow to adopt technology uh, relative to some other industries. And so, you know, this really, I think, identifies an opportunity for the industry to engage in more bridge management systems. You know, if we can fly aircraft at night and we can fly aircraft through fog and through weather, we certainly should be able to move vessels uh, through the same types of, of, of uh, environments. And, and that's really what happened here is there was a sandstorm, there was high winds, and uh, and, and the vessel was likely moving too fast. Uh, but uh, again, it just shines a light on the overall fragility of uh, our supply chains globally.
1: That makes total sense. We are going to get ready for a break. When we return, uh, we want to take it a little bit closer back home to where you guys are. Harbor Island, bring it back to Corpus Christi. You're listening to in the World Patch Radio Show and we'll be right back. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online
4: presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online website advertising and social media and search engine optimization all of these areas really affect how google ranks your entire listing so if ranking on page one is your goal pick up the phone and call us now 210-240-7188 or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile we'll be in contact with you within 24 hours once again, pick up the phone and call us now, 210 240 7188, or simply go to shalemag.com. That's S H A L E M A G.com slash business profile. Start dealing with a company you can trust and always find.
0: Remember this name, oil experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil equipment needs. Oilfield Experts' specialty is those hard to find oilfield parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oilfield Experts 210 471 1923. Again, that's 210 471 1923, and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com.
2: Welcome back to In the All Patch Radio. I'm David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine with my co-host Kim Bilotto and our special guest today, Sean Strawbridge, the CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi. Sean, um, let's let's talk about Harbor Island right quick. Uh, you guys recently, you know, ended a, a relationship there uh, for the potential development of a satellite terminal that would have been VLCC capable eventually. Uh, and I just wanted to give you a chance to kind of update everybody on where things stand at Harbor Island and and what the future might hold there for a potential project.
3: Well, Harbor Island in our estimation, David is the best suited location to have a fully capable onshore VLCC facility. Uh, The only other one that exists in the United States is in Long Beach, California, where they have dredged to 76 feet in their main channel. And that's to accommodate VLCCs carrying primarily Saudi crude to supplant the Southern California crude production in the Southern California refining center. And as a ex-Californian myself, uh, you know, Southern Californians love their cars and there is a a heavy demand for refined fuels in in Southern California. So California has the infrastructure to import foreign sources of crude oil. Here in Texas, we are blessed with an abundance of crude oil so much so that we can export it as, as you listeners know but we don't have the infrastructure to fully load the vessels that are the preferred modality for some of the large demand centers like the Indian subcontinent and and, and, and China. And so we really had uh, great ambitions for Harbor Island and continue to have ambition for Harbor Island. Uh, we have a permit uh, application with the Corps of Engineers for the building of docks there, VLCC capable docks. We have a permit application to deepen a portion of the channel to 75 feet leading up to Harbor Island to be able to load uh, fully laden VLCCs. We see VLCCs already today here in Corpus Christi. Uh, We usually get one to two, maybe even three a week. Um, They're all going to Ingleside and they're not being able to load uh, fully. And so that's suboptimal. So then there has to be a shuttle of the remaining barrels uh, to open water in what's called reverse lightering, where they then uh, finished loading those vessels out in open water, venting their VOCs into the atmosphere. And, and we just think that that's inefficient. That's certainly uh, uh, more costly and has a negative impact on the environment. And, and that's really what Harbor Island was designed to do. However, uh, in, our, uh, in our trajectory of developing that facility, uh, we had the pandemic hit and then of course the associated economic destruction and we now have an administration that uh, is certainly uh, making it a little more difficult uh, from an environmental standpoint out in the production fields. And we saw uh, obviously some, uh, you know, a lot of bankruptcies and and uh, a lot of shareholder value uh, destroyed in the sector in the in the E and P space. Uh, so the economics just uh, you know don't warrant right now the full development of that facility, but. It's certainly our intention to continue with the permitting process. Uh, our partner, our, our lessee, if you will, uh, Lone Star Ports, uh, you know, uh, their leadership is, is, is a great uh, group of people. Uh, they, are, they, they do a lot of job creation in the area here with their some of their core businesses. Uh, and I don't think we've seen uh, the last of them, but timing is everything. And, and right now it just didn't make sense uh, for them or us to move forward uh, at this time Uh, with that particular uh, lease agreement, Uh, but we certainly would welcome opportunities to re-engage them and or others uh, for the development of Harbor Island. In the meantime, the port is going to continue to pursue its permits, uh, at least uh, that's our our approach at this time.
1: Let's switch gears and talk about a recent working agreement you guys entered into with the Port of uh, Rotterdam which is probably Europe's most key uh, energy port. I believe there's a lot of crude pricing that comes from that area as well. Talk to us a little bit about the benefit and why it was important to Corpus Christi um, in Texas. and Texas. And personally, I think it was a very smart move. Then again, I think that you're a very, very seasoned executive when we talk about ports. But why is it important to Corpus in Texas?
3: Well, I, I appreciate those, uh, those, those thoughtful comments, Kim. You know, we, we've seen this tremendous growth uh over the last few years and and those growing pains don't come without uh their own set of challenges and certainly the port of corpus christi has a responsibility and a commitment to responsible sustainable growth Uh, that means we're not just going to have this unbridled growth without any consideration for uh environmental impacts social impacts and certainly uh, uh governance impacts and so when we talk about ESG, right. uh, which you see a lot of ESG focus in, and report cards and investability uh, from uh, uh, from the institutional investors and, and certainly from uh, the oil and gas companies themselves, we are also doing that. We are also uh, keeping an ESG report card. And and rather than us recreate the wheel, we really wanted to look at who were some ideal benchmarks that we could perhaps share in information, learn from, uh, and grow together. And, and really the port of Rotterdam percolated to the top as the largest recipient of crude oil that moves through the port of Corpus Christi in the European Union. Rotterdam is the largest port in the EU. Uh, it's a 400 year old institution and it's in a sovereignty, the Netherlands, uh, that has some of the most progressive and certainly at times restrictive environmental regulations and certainly from, a, from an environmental standpoint, they're, they've got a, a progressive view. You know when i went to rotterdam 30 years ago at the beginning of my career all of the uh, the taxi cabs were diesel powered mercedes Uh, i went back there uh, a little over a year ago and they're now teslas Mm. Uh, and they really have embraced uh, a lot of the emerging technologies, certainly renewables uh and and so you know we we approached them with this idea they got excited about it which i am, uh, am was extremely pleased and so This is an area for us to really focus on uh, things like carbon capture and sequestration. Uh, We certainly can look at uh, different emission reduction programs, certainly from a productivity standpoint, they've got a very active waterway and we want to make sure as our waterway becomes more active that we're managing that activity first in a safe manner. And then of course, uh, keeping the fluidity uh, and optimizing our, uh, our channel to ensure we've got good, uh, good movement of vessels. And then from a security standpoint, you know, as our profile grows as the, the largest gateway for American uh, energy exports, uh, we do become a target and mm-hmm. they uh, as well. And so sharing in some security and public safety protocols. So we're pretty excited about the relationship with the Port of Rotterdam. We were surprised to hear that no other port in North America had done such yeah. an agreement with them. Uh, so it was uh, certainly something that, that we're really looking forward to leaning in on with them. And in a post-pandemic world, we're, we're trying to get some of our folks over there to actually see their facility. I have had the good fortune of being there many times over my career, but I always look forward to going back because it's certainly an exciting and uh, certainly grandiose, uh, the scale of their their uh, activities is, uh, is, is is impressive. They move about three times the volume that we move, and we're the third largest uh port from a waterway tonnage standpoint in the United States. And they're three times our size, certainly bigger than any single port in the United States. Yeah.
1: Goes to what I said earlier. You definitely are a visionary and we need more CEOs at port levels. You know, security is an issue and it seems like you have already identified that as you're a growing port or already probably the biggest energy port here in Texas. But Sean, that is all the time that we have for this show. Thank you so much for joining us and getting david and i and our listeners caught up on what's happening at the port of corpus christi good job keep it up and we look forward to having you back on the show here soon and give us an update on uh, what you guys are doing
0: David, Tim, it's always a pleasure, thank you. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.